and thank you for joining us for In All Things, a weekly podcast of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church. I'm Rachel Joseph. Your host for In All Things is Dean Weaver, stated clerk of the EPC. The motto of our family of congregations is, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, in all things, charity. Now, here's Dean. And thank you, Rachel Joseph, and thank you to everyone who's listening in, the growing In All Things family. We're so grateful to have you along for these gospel conversations. It's an amazing thing to sit here in the studio and to record and to do these things and to know that you're driving in your car to work. Maybe you're sitting there with your morning cup of coffee or whatever it might be. The fact that you would honor us by spending a half hour of your day listening in on these conversations, which are arguably in-house EPC conversations. But as we move into our second year, increasingly, those conversations are pushing outside of the EPC into some larger discussions. And today, we'll be having a discussion with Erla Bethel, who is a member of the national leadership team of the EPC. So it's an in-house conversation. But Erla's experience as a business person in the Bahamas pushes well beyond the scope of any denomination because as a Christian who is active in her church and and involved in business, all of us, uh, regardless of whatever denomination or place that we might serve, if we're we're disciples of Jesus, this is a conversation for you. So hopefully it's a blessing to the EPC. You get to know one of our national leaders a little bit, and at the same time, uh, people can lean in and hear some things about what it means to follow Christ, uh, even in the business world. With that, Erla, it's great to have you here at In All Things. Welcome. Thank you, Dean. It's a pleasure being here. It's always a delight. You're going to enjoy Earl. She's just a ray of sunshine and a real delight on our national leadership team. So I look forward to all of you getting to know her in just a second. But before we dive into our conversation today, I want to remind you of our upcoming General Assembly. It's always the third week of June. This year's General Assembly is a three-day event. It's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday event. And in the past, it would be a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday event. So that's a that's a change. Um, the good news is, is that you'll be able to book your flights and make your travel arrangements for Friday morning and not miss anything. Uh, frequently, we would have some of our most important items for business coming to the General Assembly on Friday morning. And uh, we're trying to condense the General Assembly a little bit, but we're also trying to give it a bit more of a conference feel. Uh, we have a lot of business that we have to get done, and, and this coming year will be no exception to that. But at the same time, there's a lot of great equipping to be done. In fact, our theme this year at General Assembly is sharpened uh, from Ephesians, and this idea of equipping the saints, and it's it kind of goes with this idea of sharpening one another with the skill sets we need to be disciples who are making disciples in this unusual context in which we live. And so we'll put a lot of emphasis on equipping. And so it'll be a huge benefit to the pastors and elders that come. I think they'll go home with ideas and resources and connections that will really help strengthen the ministry that they have in their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So we're, we're hoping that that is a, is a blessing uh, to you. In fact, the focus on equipping is sort of reflected in the name, the 43rd General Assembly and the Gospel Priorities Summit, because we're really going to be focusing on those four gospel priorities. And I'll tell you more about that in the weeks to come. But Earl, I think a good place for us would be to just begin with folks getting to know you a little bit. So maybe just a little summary of your faith journey. I became a believer at age eight. It was on a rainy Sunday afternoon 
my mother read a, a track um, to my sister and me about a little girl whose mother was dying and she knew that her mother wasn't saved. But she knew that a minister lived down the hall. Um, so she knocked on his door and said, could you please come and get my mother into heaven? So the minister walked with her and, and prayed that her mother would make it in. That, actually, that was her words. Could you get my mother in? My mother noticed that this story moved my sister and me, and she asked, would you like to be saved? And we said yes. So she got my father, who was resting. My father was a lay preacher in the Brethren Church, and he came and sat with us and explained to us what we were about to do, and if we were sure that we wanted to give our hearts to the Lord, and we said yes. So from the tender age of eight, I became a Christian. The, his saving grace um, guided me through high school. I moved to high school from Eleuthera when I was 11, and then from high school to university in the U.S., from university back to Nassau to find employment because of the economic conditions at that time, I met my husband, so his sustaining grace sustained me through my marriage, and of course in the business world. I grew up brethren, was married Anglican, and of course now I'm Presbyterian. When I joined um, the Bethel family, I was the last one, my mother-in-law gave me a directive. I take all of my grandchildren to the Kirk, and I had a wonderful relationship with my mother-in-law, so it was not an if, and, or a but. I felt uncomfortable in the Anglican Church, and of course, by attending the Presbyterian Church, it was something that I could relate to. It was, you know, closer to brethren. I became an elder at the Kirk in 2002. Sadly, my mother-in-law was not there to witness that. Ten years later, I became clerk of session, and in 2020, I was asked to join the national leadership team. So. Yeah. In a nutshell. Well, your mother-in-law was part of the great cloud of witnesses, so she's witnessed absolutely. that just from a different <laughs> vantage point, I suppose. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, along your faith journey, Early, you've known some some pretty difficult times, too. I mean, your yes. faith has sustained you through the loss of your husband, the loss of a child. Um, the loss know, of my mother, the well, loss of my father. Yeah, yes. cancer. I mean, you, you've, had, you've had a journey. Absolutely. But what I have found is that each step of the way, my faith, got me through all of those difficult situations. When I had surgery, I went into that surgery knowing that my surgery would be successful. When I lost my daughter, I experienced a peace that surpassed all understanding. So it had to be my faith in him and his abiding presence. And each struggle that I encountered, each obstacle, the brought me closer to him. During my cancer journey, I was never closer to him than I had been throughout my entire faith walk. And through all of these um, really overwhelmingly challenging, difficult, hard things, God's presence with you, strengthening you, I think that's probably how you kind of came to our attention in terms of becoming part of the national leadership team, not just a clerk of session at one of our churches, but an active and involved in the presbytery, but I, I got to tell you, when I got that call from Jeff Jeremiah, I had to look at my phone 
Um, and I saw his name, I says, oh my goodness, Jeff Jeremiah. And then when he told me why he was calling, I said, me? Why me? <laughs> and when he told me that he would like for me to join the national leadership team, I said, hold on, I got to pray about this. You must be, you must be have the wrong number. You must be <laughs> thinking about somebody else, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And then, of course, um, <clears throat> thanks to the wonderful pastor that we have, Bryn mm-hmm. MacPhail, I remembered one of his sermons where he taught that if you want to hear the voice of God, first you pray about it, you read the scriptures, and then you confide in someone you trust to affirm that you're making the right decision. And that's exactly what I did. So several days later, after praying and you know reading God's scriptures, I called Bryn and I told him what had happened. And he said to me, Earler, I wish they had asked me. <laughs> So that was the affirmation that I needed to affirm that, yes, even though your plate is full and overflowing, you could do this. Yeah. Um, what is required, he supplies. I've never, I've never regretted saying yes to God. I, I sometimes feel a little overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes <laughs> I wonder, you know, how this is all going to work out. And, and sometimes it's a, it, it's just, it can be a struggle, but I've always been blessed uh, when I say yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So talk to us a little bit about the state of the church uh, in the Bahamas. I am so pleased to say that by God's amazing grace, we are enjoying his amazing grace. Three Sundays ago, we were the recipients of another congregation who folded into us. We call it prayers answered divine alignment because we were struggling and we were discouraged Membership had fallen off, the harvest was full, but few hands in the vineyard to help us labor. We recognized that this alignment could end up helping us be better together. That first Sunday, Bryn preached about disunity in the church during the first century, similar to the disunity in the church today. But we were defying that because here we were, Two churches aligning around one purpose, and that was to be more Christ-like and to glorify God, and of course, to fulfill the Great Commission. We live in an era, Erla, where churches are coming apart, and here you guys were coming together. Yes. That feels like that going against the grain feels like the gospel to me. Absolutely. And of course, you know, as you well know, that, you know, Paul preached about fixation that the religious leaders had on their status and and their credentials. And of course, what they did, they moved away from God's standards and they moved into pleasing the preferences of the followers. And the same thing is happening today. But as mentioned before, we were struggling, we were hurting, we were discouraged. But God made a way out of no way for us. And it's only by his amazing grace that we are experiencing great synergy, great alignment. It's only God. So give us, a, for the EPC folks listening in, we mm-hmm. have three churches in the Bahamas. And yes. What are they? We have the St. Andrew's Presbyterian Kirk, which is in Nassau, Bahamas. We have Lucaya Presbyterian Church, which is in Freeport. And we have a mission post in Abaco, which we call Cook of the Pines. Okay. 
So let's talk about the one in Freeport because we'll do a little free commercial for them. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a small faithful congregation, and they're looking for a pastor right they, now. They are. They are. And it's a unique unique church. They they have done amazing things. Scott Kirkland was a pastor there who actually facilitated us calling Bryn, and they had some... He was, from, was he from Scotland? Yes. Yeah. And he's now back in Scotland. Yeah, because those three churches, I mean, really... Uh, we fell under the Church of Scotland. Yeah. So yes. when you came to us, whereas a lot of other churches that mm -hmm. came into the EPC yes. came from other U.S. denominations, mm -hmm. you guys actually came to us from the Church of Scotland. We did. And because for a very long time, we were struggling. And as a matter of fact, the Church of Scotland for a very long time wanted us, you know, to find our own way because of, you know, the distance... Yeah. Yeah. It was difficult, you know, for them to resource us. And again, by God's grace, Scott was the forerunner of us becoming a member of the um, EPC. You Bahamians are used to hopping on a plane and Absolutely. jumping from island to island. So hopping but on a plane and jumping over Scotland, to Florida is not yes. a, Scotland, a little further than Florida. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right, absolutely. Right, right. Yes. Well, I want to turn the corner a little bit early because um, a good bit of our listening audience are, of course, church-going people, members of churches. And so mm -hmm. hearing about the state of the church and to hear about your faith, I think, resonates with them. But there's a good number of our listeners who are not teaching elders, they're ruling elders. And so mm -hmm. as a businesswoman, tell me a little bit about how it has been, especially coming through the pandemic, it has to be terribly difficult to sustain a business mm -hmm. and to continue to grow a business. And just any thoughts on, on where as a small business owner today you find yourself as a, as a disciple of Jesus? One of my guiding principles is to whom much is given, much is required. I also aim to carry out Micah 6 and 8. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Well, those are a couple of good business principles to start with. Yes, so with that in mind, I, whenever I'm faced with a tough decision, I will pray before making those tough decisions. If I have to go into a tough meeting, I pray before entering that tough meeting especially those meetings where I have to resolve conflict and also those meetings where I have to make tough decisions in terminating an employee for just cause. But you realize your decisions and the leading your business affects other people. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, your business serves people. So in yes. many respects, whether it's a decision making with your employees or with how you're providing goods and services, your, your focus really is people. Absolutely. And I tend to be a compassionate person. I always seek to find the good in other, others. And to some extent, that has always been perceived as a weakness. And to be quite honest with you, I have also been blindsided by being too compassionate. But I always find comfort in the fact that I, I did what I thought was best at the time, and I move on. During the pandemic, yes, you're quite right, it was very difficult. But again, by God's grace, I survived. Remind the audience of the businesses that you have. I flip burgers. <laughs> <laughs> I have the franchise for McDonald's. Okay. So I run two restaurants in the Bahamas, which are high-volume restaurants, uh, as a matter of fact, in terms of sales, I'm ranked among the top 10 in the McDonald's world. Hmm. So McDonald's I, is, a, is a big deal in the Bahamas. It is. It is a big deal. Wow. 
But what's a? I'm just curious. What's a big seller? Like what? A Bahamian? big Mac. A big, big Mac, of course. It's well, the big Mac is number one, but number two, you would be surprised, is fillet of fish. In really? In the Bahamas, we eat fish. I know, but fillet of fish. When you have like, you can go down to the two. beach and get the real thing no, right there. No, fillet of fish is number two, oh and goodness. that that always surprises right, me. So the Big Mac, I get right. It's a special <laughs> yes, sauce. We yes. all know it's a special sauce. <laughs> yes, um, but the fillet of fish, yeah, you surprise me on that one. Oh yeah, yeah, we do, and of course we have a large Rasta community as well. Um, so they they love um, the you know they're a great supporter uh-huh. of our wow. of our sales. Very cool. Yeah, but again, thanks to becoming a member of the national leadership team, we learned very quickly how to pivot and to adjust and to make tough decisions to survive. You know those very turbulent times. Thankfully, we came through the pandemic almost unscathed. Mm. We suffered in. 2020, but by God's grace, in 2021, our sales were similar to 2019. So we did double-digit increase in revenues in 2021. 2022, we doubled the increase against 2021, and thank God, on track, we're still doing double-digit increase. In so let is. me dig down on one of your core principles. Mm-hmm. Um, you said, to whom much is given, much will be required. How does to whom much is given, much will be required work itself out for you? Well, this is where my faith kicks in in a big way. And I'm also mindful to know that what is happening in my life, particularly at this time, has very little to do with me. It's all about God's amazing grace. So for every struggle, every obstacle that I face, and every victory that I win, I always remember to give God thanks. And I think that's, that's what sustains me. It's, it's not easy. Dealing with people <laughs> is the most challenging aspect of running any business. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's where... Remaining prayerful, remaining intentional, remaining mindful, and depending on God to get me through every obstacle, every hurdle. Amen. Amen. What, well, we, we only have a few more minutes left together, and I do want to hit on one thing, so I'm going to turn and pivot back toward the EPC as we conclude. Mm-hmm. Um, you're the chair of our finance team, of mm-hmm. the um, national leadership team, and we're in the process, we're in a three-year transition of moving from per member asking, mm-hmm. which is this voluntary way in which our congregations support the ministry of the General Assembly, which of course the General Assembly exists to serve presbyteries and local churches. It's not a lot of money, but it's 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 enough to help us organize so that we can pull together for something larger and support churches like the churches in the, in the Bahamas and Puerto Rico and, and, and really around the world. But we're moving to something called percentage of income, which is based on congregations revenue, what, what they, what they brought in for their general operating fund previous year as reported on their annual church report, all that's kind of dry and so forth. But why is that important? Why is participation? Cause it is voluntary for us. Mm-hmm. Why is that participation important? And what are your hopes around this, this transition to percentage of income or POI? Well, against the backdrop of all of the wonderful things happening in our denomination through our strategic priorities, based on the recommendation that came from the NLT, 
and the interim committee that was appointed by the moderator to address elephant in the room. <laughs> That's what I was looking okay. for. Um, we sought to see ways to improve the culture of, of, of giving. Um, so through a lot of prayer and a lot of research and planning, in, in order for our strategies to be more aligned and to achieve success, success in our national strategies, which are effective biblical leadership, transformation, or church health and re- revitalization, multiplication, which is church planning, and global movement, right. we discerned that those priorities needed to be effectively funded and resourced. And, of course, when we looked at our member asking, we realized that in a lot of instances, a lot of persons did not understand the concept of a member giving. There was lots of confusion around it. And when we took a look at our per member asking in 2021, which is $23 per member, discounted for inflation reasons, that equated to $16.24. Yeah, because we haven't raised the per member asking since 2006. Exactly. That equated to $2.2 million. Had we been raising um, revenues based on percentage of income, we could have... Um, generated an additional $1.7 million that year. The research also demonstrated that 46% of churches give, 30% of churches don't give, and as mentioned before, a lot of churches did not have a clue what PMA was all about. And a good example, when I talk about our strategic priorities being properly resourced and funded, we went through a period where church planting stopped. It came to a halt. But gradually based on lots of prayer again lots of emphasis we are doing church planting again not to the extent that we would like but with more resources more financial resources we can do so much more to further his kingdom yeah i don't think people realize you know the mission of the epc is to we exist to carry out the great commission absolutely Mm -hmm. and we've determined that globally the way we carry out the great commission through world outreach global movement is church planning. Absolutely. Our global workers are planning churches. Mm-hmm. Domestically, the way we carry out the Great Commission is through church planning. Right. Like it, that actually is probably the instrument of choice in mm-hmm. the EPC that, if not funded, it is a strategic aspiration versus a gospel priority. Yes. And people contributing to that, they're really contributing to the advance of God's mission through the EPC. Absolutely, absolutely. So as a chair of the finance committee, what would you say to a person listening in who maybe is an elder and maybe they sit on a finance committee of their church and they're looking at making challenging decisions and whether or not they're going to contribute to the larger mission of the EPC? Could you speak to how we steward those resources? Yes, absolutely. Great question. The first and foremost, I would like to remind everyone that we are called to be good stewards of our resources, in particular our financial resources. So the Finance Committee is guided by prayer, of course using generally accepted accounting principles, but we aim to ensure that our spending and our expenses are controlled to the best of our ability to mitigate all of the headwinds that we have all experienced over the last few years. So we strive to protect our assets so that, you know, when we find ourselves in, in the crisis that, that we are slowly coming out of, that we remain strong, 
that um, we're flexible enough to withstand the storms that, that, that come our way. And of course, the last three years has been a great example of that. Yeah. And I must, I would be remiss if I did not say that we have a wonderful person in the name of Pat who has done an amazing job in ensuring that we do just what I just said. Yeah, the great thing about Pat Coelho as our CFO is he's not only a good numbers guy, uh, which you need as a CFO, but he deeply, deeply cares about the mission of the church. And so he's thinking about those resources in terms of how they're uh, mobilized and utilized for the kingdom. Absolutely. uh, He's always thinking about strategies and ways in which we can resource what God is doing through the EPC. Absolutely, yes. So I, I want all of our listeners to understand that the, we, we take what we do seriously. Yeah. We try to invest uh, wisely so that we get a good return on mm-hmm. our investment. And we depend on the good Lord to help us achieve our budgets. And, and I'm happy to report that in the last two years, it's been extremely difficult. We did not meet our budget, but became very, very close. And our expenses were under. And so our expenses, <laughs> our yes. Our staff are good stewards. So yes. while we didn't reach our projections in terms of revenue, we underspent, you know, we, we spent less than we took in. That's always a good yes, thing. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, Erla, thank you so much for being here today and sharing it. People want to learn more about how the EPC operates in terms of its finances. All you have to do is get a hold of Pat Coelho, the CFO, and just look on our website at uh, www.epc.org and Pat would love to be able to answer your questions, help your congregation. He serves lots of congregations with helping them in a lot of different ways. And uh, just to know that you're kind of behind Pat, supporting him through the finance committee and the national leadership team is uh, a great encouragement because of the the deep faith and the integrity early that you bring to that process. So thank you. Thank you, Dean. It's been my pleasure. All right. Well, my friends, I hope that you've uh, enjoyed our conversation today. And maybe it's even encouraged you to just check out St. Andrew's Kirk in Nassau. You could actually go online. You can watch uh, some of their services, I think, online and and get to know that congregation. Uh, They're a part of the EPC family. And uh, I think you'll be blessed if you do. Well, as we conclude, as we always do, it's good that the final word would be from God's word because it is the good word. That's where benedictus, a benediction at the end of a worship service is good word, and I always believe the best word is from God's word. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created. It's things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and they're for him. Because you see, he is before all things, my friends, and in him all things, and that is tapantas, everything. There's nothing that's not included in him. All things hold together, for he is the head of the body, the church. Well, my friends, until the next time in which we gather around the table or over a cup of coffee to listen in on such a conversation, I bid, in the name of our Savior Jesus, grace and peace to you. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on behalf of dean and the entire team we hope you will join us for our next episode of in all things for more information about the evangelical presbyterian church including a directory of local churches online resources and much more visit our website at www.epc.org i'm rachel joseph i pray you have an overwhelming sense of god's presence in all things today